0: One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the Industrial Revolution to Business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business, How do you bridge all the activities you have to do in your operations and how to focus on what matters? This episode is dedicated to answering this question. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you listen to episode nine, we have Nathan Fain Carter of Ace Aquatech, and he discussed about all the innovation that they have at Ace Aquatech. Welcome to season three, episode 10 of the Business of Aquaculture. This episode, let's welcome Philip Shrevan, who is the co-founder and director of Pan Ocean Aquaculture. Welcome to the show,
1: Philip. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation and for having me.
0: It's our delight. Their mission is to feed 10 billion people with zero footprint fish farming while restoring the oceans. Welcome to the show again.
1: Yeah, sure. It's a, <laughs> a serious target, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. The company was recently featured in Responsible Seafood Magazine and iCoat. About 45 miles off the coast of China, 3,000 tons of yellow croaker swim in a floating pen that is when placed on land 10 stories high. Philip Shervin is the founder and co-owner of Pan Ocean Aquaculture, engineered the massive croaker farm to withstand strong storms and crashing waves that are common in the Taiwan Strait, where high wind speeds and wave heights have been recorded, with significant increases noted by researchers over the past three decades. So I'd like to get this show started today with you, Philip, in terms of how did you get into the seafood industry?
1: Yeah, because our background is entirely not in the seafood industry. So most of my colleagues, okay, now the team has expanded with the aquaculture specialists as well, but our history is in the, the offshore oil and gas industry. So basically, studying uh, studied offshore engineering at the University of Delft in Holland. Uh, the Netherlands, I should say. So we've been designing and building large structures that have to go through very tough weather in offshore conditions. And in about 2015, we got an inquiry from a Norwegian company called Salmar, they're one of the largest salmon farming companies in this world, and they were looking to build their newest offshore aquaculture facility. Let's say in China, it was a massive structure. So, the engineering company that they used approached us to help them in China to to find shipyards to build that thing. And that was actually the first time that it came on our radar. Like aquaculture, offshore aquaculture. What are what are people doing so far out at sea with uh, with aquaculture? For us, it was maybe oil and gas, it may be offshore wind was of course growing so that was a new industry but we never heard of this so our interest was raised immediately and we started looking into what was going on and why would aquaculture move offshore and that was actually the first encounter to be honest and we took it from there.
0: That's brilliant I always love when my guests came from a different background other than aquaculture because I'm on the same boat. Pun intended. Yeah.
1: yeah, 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 exactly. So that's yeah, it's very interesting. You look with a whole different set of eyes to the industry. And especially for the offshore part. So that was also the start that we started doing our own engineering and our own investigations and market research, because we thought, okay, this this all looks very well and good. And you know, it was all properly engineered what Salmar did, but we thought, okay, this is very expensive. And I don't think that outside of the Norwegian salmon industry that you can do this even though that we found out that a lot of the similarities in uh, travel in other parts of the world were similar. So you had a lot of issues with pollution near and overcrowding, you had a lot of clashes with other stakeholders like tourism and fishermen. So we thought, okay, it's not only in Norway that there is a drive to go further offshore, but you you can see the necessity worldwide. So why don't we try to come up with a design because we're all engineers, that's where we usually start. Let's come up with a design or something that might also be used in harsh environments for other species elsewhere in the world. Yes, that was the start of it. And then in, I think in 2018, we managed to secure a contract with uh, what turned out to be the Chinese government. So they have a policy also to move agriculture further offshore because in China, the, the issues with the near shore farming are even worse because it used to be very low tech. And so they joined us in the prototype, basically. And they were willing to commit the resources to getting the prototype into the water. That was really the start of where we are now.
0: It's brilliant. I remember our very first episode talked about this, which I don't know if you heard the word seasteading, but you are absolutely right, in which China is very much a leader in this, how we can bring more offshore just because it's easier, especially if there's a disease, it's easier to move it or it's not limited in terms of the expansion because the ocean is such no. a vast, vast area. Yeah,
1: so it's always, of course a very scalable technology, so that's, that's definitely an advantage. And like I said, you can be quite far away from other stakeholders. It's another one. There's of course, there's much more, I mean, you can pick the location, I wouldn't say much easier, but there's a lot more on offer. And, you know, there's, there's, the, the ocean is quite vast, so you, you, know, you can do the research and, and find optimum conditions yeah. for what you wish to do. So that's um, yeah, that's definitely uh, an advantage.
0: Well, my second question to you is: What's one thing you can share with a business aquaculturist that can make a big difference in their organization? Because your company is a trailblazer in this sphere.
1: We grow quite organically, and so far we've done everything with our own internal investments. So we usually work with a team of people that we know quite well. Most of the people know from each other what are their strong and their weak points. So we went through a little bit of a growth phase. And of course, it's a little bit more complicated to manage all that. But I guess we let people be responsible for their own work. So we're not micromanaging everybody so that everybody <laughs> gets a little bit bored or upset with it. I think definitely in the beginning for, for small startups, you, you have the freedom to play around a little bit. So I think you should make use of that and try to keep that as long as possible. Once it all starts being formalized, and then, then it becomes a little bit less uh, less fun, to be honest.
0: I like that you said that. And just for our listeners' sake, just so you know, Philip right now is in Taiwan and we were just exchanging, sorry, in Thailand, not Thailand. Thailand. (laughs) And we were just exchanging stories before we started the podcast. And I love what you said about once you start as a startup, the sustainable partnerships of people that you know that you begin to work with and then you give them autonomy instead of micromanaging them, actually... I think, helps people get to work better with you.
1: Yeah, I think so. Also, I mean, it should be fun, you know? I mean, of course, not every day is is, is a lot of fun, but you work as a, as a team. Once you get that going, you can do a lot of work with not that many people, to be honest.
0: I like it when you were talking about fun. I think most people think when they hear the word aquaculture, <laughs> it has this different connotation about so much work, so much trouble, but yeah. I love that you brought yeah. the word fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have to say that there's a bit of difference, at least from my point of view, that that we notice between the real aquaculture people in our team and then the more, let's say, offshore people in the team, is that the people with the offshore background, they have like a natural inclination to want to design and build things that they can manage the environment. So you're much more in control. If, you know, if, 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 if the weather turns bad, you can design things that are stronger or whatnot. But the people with the agriculture background, they are a little bit more... Integrated with nature, I think they have they have a, a little bit more humble attitude towards what's happening around them. They're a little bit more aware of the fact that you cannot manage everything, and that you know if we, when you when you talk about growth rate of fish or whatever, that's always like the offshore guys or the ladies. They always think, okay, it's now in the Excel sheet and there it is. That's that's the number. And then of course, yeah, but there's a spread and there's this and there's that, and sometimes it's bad luck. And you know they go like, what? Why, why? <laughs> why can't the number be the number? You know, it's like. So it's, it's really nice to see that all being integrated into one group of people.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, especially the word integrated and integrated with nature for that matter. Because I remember my husband used to be a fisherman and he says all the yeah. time, the ocean will treat you with majestic indifference.
1: <laughs> yes, correct. That's entirely correct. Everything will break down. Trust me, if you think that uh, if you think you're always in good shape, then uh, you're definitely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah it makes you very humble
0: correct so my last question yeah. to you is Share what's your biggest insight in the past previous maybe decade that you've been in this
1: I think if you have a certain idea and it's more or less something that you really believe in it's really worthwhile to keep pushing forward even though that, there's always people and parties around that try to express doubt or comments and it's good to take them on but you should not be discouraged and that's, again, useful when you work in a team because, I mean, there's times when you think, well, okay, well, this is all wrong. We should go a different direction. And then Somebody will step forward and say, no, 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 we should keep going. You know, this is, we're on the right track. And so keep pushing forward. If you think that what you're doing is the right thing, don't let other people discourage you. I really like that. Uh, yeah, with, within reason, of course. <laughs> it, shouldn't, <laughs> it shouldn't become, you shouldn't go completely nuts. but uh, <laughs> But I think, yeah, there's always people that have, you know, certain comments or, or that thing, what you're doing is, is not going to work, but you should just push on.
0: Thank yeah. you very much. It takes much.
1: a lot of time. Yeah.
0: It does take a lot of time. And I remember one of the guests, one of the things that they always say, you need like really patience in this industry because it's like a child.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to, Yeah. There's a lot of new things are happening. And so it's the same for us. You know, there's a, there's a lot of unknowns, but the, you know, as long as you try to, work as a team the way forward and then keep plugging away, as they say in the UK, I think. It'll come about
0: it will, yes. And yeah. so yeah. thank you so much for your time, Philip. I really loved our. No problem, interview. thank you. It was such fun. I had so much fun with this interview. My biggest takeaway yeah. from our conversation is when you were talking about keep going. You know, don't be discouraged. If you believe in what you're doing, then don't doubt that in the end, we will all succeed in yeah. this in this industry. <laughs> How can they get in touch with you?
1: Oh, they can reach me on my email. I think is the easiest because of, you know, time is so are never really sure where you are. So if you, you can share my email address if you like, and then that's that's perfect.
0: And I also, I think, contacted you via LinkedIn as
1: well. So guys... Yeah, you... that's correct. Yeah. In LinkedIn, also possible. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm growing into LinkedIn, so I'm not really an avid LinkedIn user. <laughs> so I'm maybe a little bit old-fashioned sometimes, but LinkedIn also works.
0: Sounds good. But I will also put on yeah. the show notes, Philip's email, so you guys can contact him directly if you have any more questions about art. I guess, show today. So to all our subscribers, we appreciate your time listening to the show. Thank you again so much for your time today. Remember, you build a home in the Philippines via B1G1 for every episode. So share away. See you next episode. And thanks, everyone. Thanks, Philip. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. And I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.